You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our healthcare. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly healthcare costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with healthcare costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 877-58-BIBLE. That's 877-58-BIBLE. 877-58-BIBLE. You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget. Now, Jill is sitting in for Bridget on this Monday morning right here on Moody Radio 89.3. Apologetics. What is it? Why do we need to study apologetics? Well, that's a conversation we're having with Paul Gold, the Associate Professor of Philosophy and Religion, the Director of the Masters of Arts, Philosophy of Religion at Palm Beach Atlantic University. Paul, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Jill. It's great to be here with you today. I don't know why I turned my mic off, but Masters of Arts, is apologetics, is it an art? Is it like you got a paintbrush? Is it artistic to to have a defense? Yeah, you know, actually it is in a little bit, uh, especially in today's culture, because people don't, you know, when you say things like, Jesus needs to, you know, forgive you for your sins, there's a couple of words there that no longer mean anything to hmm. people, because they're kind of biblically illiterate. And so there is a kind of imaginative component, I think, especially today, uh, now that you mention it. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So explain what apologetics really means and why is it important for our churches to do a good job of teaching it, kind of like what's happening at Spanish River this uh, past few months. Yeah. So basically apologetics is the idea that we're called to, as First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an account, a reason, an apologia, an apologetic for the hope that we have within. And so it's the idea of, of uh, defending the faith from objections to our faith, and there's many of them that are, you know, kind of thrown our way in culture, but also this art of sort of commending the faith to people too, helping to show that it's reasonable and desirable and, and that Christianity is actually not just true to the way the world is, that's the reasonable part, but actually true to the way the world ought to be as well, that it's desirable and, and, and things like that too. So why are you excited to be part of this conversation that Spanish River Church has started? You're going to be there on Thursday night uh, talking in this apologetics conversation series. Yeah, actually, super excited. We really want to be a resource to the, the local churches here in South Florida. And I think that there's not a lot that's going on in terms of apologetics, but it's such a crucial need here for the churches, just in general, right? We're called to love God with our minds, and this is, and love God with all of our beings, and so apologetics is going to be connected to that. But not just that, you know, in culture today, we live in this disenchanted culture, and so um, even for Christians, we have questions, we have doubts, we have worries about our faith, and, and so apologetics is important for us to strengthen the believers. And then, of course, it's, it's useful and, and strategic and important in evangelism as well. Uh, many people have questions, and so um, we've got to be men and women that are equipped to, like I said, to commend and to defend uh, the gospel and to show people uh, the truth of Jesus and the gospel. Yeah. 
So uh, you've written a book called Cultural Apologetics. Let me just say, mm-hmm. there's a few words that scare me. One is culture, and <laughs> yeah. another one would be apologetics. I mean, you, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to defend many times what culture is sending my way. How, how do I do this effectively? What it, What did you tell us in your book to do? Because these are, these are scary, scary times we live right. in. I think. Yeah, no, that's great. In fact, that's exactly what I want to talk about on Thursday at Spanish River is uh, how do we, so, you know, and I'm actually going to look at, we're going to spend some time in Paul's example in, at Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, which is one of only two places in, in uh, the book of Acts where Paul engages a culture unlike his own. You know, most of the time he begins with uh, the Jewish community, his own culture, but in Athens he's addressing a culture different than his, and that's very much the context that we find ourselves in today, right? Many people say we live in a post-Christian culture or, or things like that. And so culture is just what we make of the world. That's all it is, right? You know, but we, all of us, are part of culture, right? We make culture and we're shaped by it. And so the book, Cultural Apologetics, was really just this question that I've been wrestling with. I was a campus minister before an academic, and I've been wrestling with this question, how does the gospel get a fair hearing in culture today? And that's the question that I'm, you know, trying to, trying to address in, in that book. And so the question for this Thursday is cultural apologetics, building bridges to Jesus and the gospel. Are you going to talk about some practical ways for building these bridges? Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to show kind of a, a Paul's method um, in Acts chapter 17, and then we're just going to apply that to our Athens, you know, to South Florida and to the context that we find ourselves in, and, and really want to give some practical steps for how, like Paul, we can identify some starting points, right? For Paul, it was this this fact that the Athenians worshiped this unknown God, and then he used that as a starting point to basically build a bridge to Jesus and, and to confront them with this ultimate question, what do you make of Jesus Christ? And so the hope is that with that sort of backdrop of what Paul did in Acts chapter 17, I want to kind of show how that can apply to today and even where we find ourselves here. So yeah, that's the hope. You know, apologetics is having an answer. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's things out there and there's the answer, but how important is it to have a question though? How important is it to ask good questions when you're when you're talking to people? Yeah, I think that's actually, that's a really good question, Eric. Thank you. Um, because, I mean, uh, you're right. Like, so even Aristotle, like this philosopher, he says that we can't, um, we, we no longer ask the right preliminary questions, right, in, in an inquiry. And so I think it's actually super important. And it's kind of modeling something, you know, if Jesus, as Dallas Willard reminds us, was the smartest person, right? And so he possessed intellectual virtue. And we follow Jesus. And so we too should be men and women that are cultivating this kind of robust life of the mind. And part of that is cultivating the sense of wonder and, and you know, this, this uh, sense of wonder at the world, this wonder at being and, and people and things. And, and that sort of is an invitation to, a, to uh, a quest to understand the world and all things, you know, God and all things in relation to God. So yeah, even the art of asking questions it's so crucial, um, and that's the, the joy of like teaching apologetics and teaching philosophy and theology, is uh, we begin to just bring people to these perennial questions about life, and we realize that all of us have these deep longings to know, and that's, that's the fun of all this. Well, as you go in different areas of our country, maybe uh, the Bible Belt, the Midwest, you're going to find a little bit more of a a Christian foundation. Really down here, as you're talking about it being a a post-Christian area that we're in, that's really what you're finding. So what are some of those challenges, and how can we overcome those challenges? Yeah, good. That's right. Um, 
I, I, in many ways, so I, I used the language earlier. I think we live in this kind of, I use the language of disenchanted or disenchantment, uh, this disenchanted culture. And the idea is that we just no longer see the world in its proper light, right? And so, and this is something that affects all of us, even Christians. We kind of use the same language that everyone else uses, right? We say things like the world is mundane and it's ordinary. But if you think about it, like through a biblical lens, that's exactly not the way the world is. It's, it's, it's gift. It's created. It's deeply beautiful and mysterious. And so in some ways, one challenge is just um, helping us not just see all the beauty we have here in, in South Florida, you know, the, the literal paradise that we kind of find ourselves in, but to see through that the beauty that we long for. And so um, basically reawaking these deep-seated longings for God, um, you know, because disenchantment kind of mutes that. And so nobody knows what they're missing, and we're not connecting beauty and then, of course, goodness and truth to the source of goodness, truth, and beauty, which, which is in Jesus. And so, yeah, those are some unique challenges in our, our day and age, and especially here where we're surrounded by beauty, and so we think that that's what we long for, and it is, but it's actually what we long for through the beauty, which is Jesus, the source of beauty, and that's the challenge for us, especially down here in South Florida. Yeah, isn't that a—it can be almost a positive, though, uh, and the way Jill phrased that question about how, you know, the Midwest, the Bible Belt, that can be kind of a negative because people maybe have grown up thinking they understand everything. We're here, you know— all bets are off. I mean, nobody knows what they're talking about in a lot of different places. And you can come in as a shining light and say, no, 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 Jesus is the answer to these questions. Yeah, right. So there's a real opportunity here, um, you know, because in, in many ways, uh, South Florida is, you know, some of the zip codes here are some of the most secular, unchurched uh, zip codes in the country, actually. And I actually just came back from uh, Texas and California this week doing some speaking. And you're right, even those two contexts, right, being in Texas, very different, kind of the the belt, the buckle of the Bible belt, maybe, and then, you know, California, somewhat like Florida, and uh, and the conversation is slightly different, and it, and you even have to sometimes back up a little further here, and just and this is why I think Paul and Marcel is so inspiring, right? He begins in a context of the language language that was familiar to the Greeks, and and then he just moves this in this brilliant way. He moves the discussion from this kind of view worldview that was familiar to the Greek mindset and moves it into like a a distinctly Judeo-Christian mindset. And that's the kind of discussion that we need to become equipped to do uh, here, especially in South Florida. Yeah, so super critical time. And you're going to be speaking this Thursday at the Spanish River Church in Boca Raton. It starts at 7. It's a free event. Who is it that you would encourage to attend? I would. I mean, I would encourage um, anyone, you know, uh, all of us who are interested in what does it mean to love God with all of our hearts and mind and soul? Uh, and then also, maybe we have our own questions about the faith. Maybe we have our own doubts. And this would be a time to come and be equipped and to be nourished on the good, the true, and the beautiful as it's found in Christ. And then also, of course, we do need to be equipped um, to have conversations with our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues, and to, in creative ways, to uh, not just live a life that's attractive, but begin to articulate a vision of the world um, that would awaken these deep-seated longings that we all have, but we're just not aware of, that point to Jesus and the gospel. So that's the hope. And so I think, you know, for anyone who's interested in those things, which should be the Church, uh, come join us. Yeah. Uh, apologetics. I mean, you're a teacher at at PBA. You're a professor there. So, you know, you've got history where it's kind of a, a closed case. The history's history is there, history. There's only so much you can do with that. Uh, math is math. There's only so much. Is, is apologetics like that, or is it a... a is it a um, a flower that's continually blooming, I guess? 
Oh, yeah, I like that metaphor. Um, yeah, that's good. I, it is more like the flower that's continually blooming in the sense that we're always so there's like there's of course we're communicating the deep truths of the faith and those don't change, but our context changes continually, right? And it's amazing how quick especially today, we live in the digital age, that many people point out that this unique age that we find ourselves in today is unlike anything that's come before this. And so there's unique challenges to our day and age now, and it's always changing, right? The religious landscape is really um, challenging today. We just read a book in uh, my cultural apologetics class. I'm teaching for undergrad students right now uh, by Tara Isabel Burton called Strange Rights. And there's like this new sort of religious movement that she calls the remixed, right? These people that are religious, but not are spiritual, but not religious. And it's just kind of an anything goes wild west today. You know, now that we're kind of um, post-Christian and unmoored from institutional re- religions and, and realities. And so the challenges today and the digital age make it, um, in fact, this is what I was speaking about this past week. It's not business as usual, right? And so, yeah, it's constantly changing. And that requires of us that we're a certain kind of, person, a certain kind of people that are conversant with the deep truths and rooted in the deep truths of scripture and theology, but then also that we're conversant and aware of what's going on in culture. And then we need to do the hard work of connecting the two. And that requires of us, I think, a lot. Well, I think this is going to be a great conversation, maybe a first conversation for some of our WRMB listeners. So uh, thank you so much for presenting that on Thursday. And as the director of religion and philosophy at the Palm Beach Atlantic University, what is going on there specifically with uh, this topic of apologetics? Yeah, there's actually, we're super encouraged by what God is doing here at PBA in this area. We have a sort of flagship MA in philosophy of religion, and that's where we're taking our graduate students on a deep dive into the sort of the roots of the philosophical discipline, but we're doing it with this sort of public-facing posture so that we can have conversations with the culture, the church, and the academy. And then we also have a new undergrad BA in apologetics and a minor in apologetics, and that's super exciting. And along with that, we have a new cultural apologetics certificate. And so anybody who's listening today can go on our website, pba.com, or pbaapologetics.com, and you can find uh, this six-class online certificate program that's heavily scholarship. And so God is building this community. Many people that have begun this are here in South Florida, but they're actually from all over the world. And then we have, lastly, um, God has been gracious. We've launched an annual uh, apologetics conference that we do every October. And we just finished our second one this past October, and we're already looking forward to and planning our third for this uh, 2024. And so God is building, I think, a community and a movement of people who are deeply passionate about the gospel and the lost and and connecting it to these rich things of God. And so, yeah, lots of things are going on. Mm, I I see, I went to your website and you've got your favorite books each year. You have a favorite book of 2024 yet? I do. Oh, yeah. You know that I do. Um, it's uh, since you asked the fiction book. I try to read one fiction every month. Just to, and part of that is to keep conversant with culture. Like I, I read off the New York Times bestseller list for two reasons. Number one, it's usually the books are good. But number two, it helps me understand what the culture currently finds important. Mm. And one book that's a bestseller is by Sus- Susanna Clark, and it's called Perenzi. And it's actually a book about enchantment and disenchantment. And so it connects to some of the things I'm interested in. And so that was a beautiful book uh, that I just finished uh, this past month. Wow. 
So yeah, Excellent. I already have a favorite. <laughs> well, uh, we thank you for joining us this morning, letting us know again this Thursday night apologetics conversation series at Spanish River Church, and uh, Dr. Paul Gould is going to be speaking about cultural apologetics on this evening at uh, that. Thursday evening, and again, it's at 7 o'clock from 7 to 8.30. Q&A time after that, I believe. You, you speak about 45 minutes and yep. some Q&A, correct? That's right. That sounds perfect, yep. All right. If you want to find out more information, head to our website, ericandbridget.org. All the information is listed there. Paul, thank you for joining us and really explaining a lot of this information to us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Eric and Jill. It's great to be with you both today.